Now, you, you saw Kiss multiple times or Mini Kiss multiple Both. times? Both. Okay. No, Mini Kiss I've seen multiple times. Kiss I've seen um, kind of an embarrassingly vast number of times. Almost I need as a much. number now. I need a number. I, I don't actually don't know. I think I've seen them probably nine or ten times. Wow. That is know, not a casual. No. And you know who I've seen just as much, which is totally going to derail the train. <laughs> New kids on the block. The oh, my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, recently? Only or... recently. Only okay. in their reiteration. My... One of my very best friends was a huge New Kids fan as a kid. And I was sort of one year, just one year too old. Like I, kind of, I was mm. sort of the secret I'd listen to them but wouldn't admit I would listen to them kind of stage. So, right. um, And then as an adult, when they sort of made their, you know, return. The NKOTB? Well, po- post, well, what was that? Were they NKOTB when they were rappers? Remember they when they were gangster rappers for a hot minute? I don't, and I should, seeing as they're a Boston-based band. I know. Um, See, I, I'm, I actually should be asking you, sort of, what degree of separation you are from a Wahlberg. Um, not pretty, pretty far. But my wife did um, end up at the same Target as Mark, like around Christmas time once. Okay, that's on the amazing. South Shore. Yeah, and there was a lot. Of, oh my God, it's Mackie Mac. Um, they were very excited there at well, the yeah. South Shore Plaza. That's awesome. Um, no, what was I going to... Yeah, and I've seen Joey McIntyre um, so hammered he had to be carried out of a, a studio and driven home by a PA. But that's another story for another time. See, that's awesome too. Um, but they did have a hot minute as gangster rappers. That I think that's when they first became NKOTB. I think. Oh, I see. Okay. That I just mocked mercilessly, much like Chris Gaines, that whole right. Sure. But then they came back and they, I I will give them vast credit because they are brilliant marketers. They have brilliant tour managers. They've, they completely, (laughs) completely objectify themselves and they don't apologize for it for a minute. They're in great shape. They can still dance. They can still sing. And they sell out stadiums like nobody's business. And so my friend's dad bought us tickets sort of when they sort of started their comeback. And then consequently, either because he knows how much Jamie loves them and how much fun we have going to the shows or just because Mm -hmm. he's phoning in what he's going to get her every year. He gets us tickets every year and we go every year. And the shows are fantastic. So I've become sort of a late bloomer fan. Interesting. And the people watching, the people mm. watching. Oh, we could yeah, do a, that's you know, a demo. forget that is a the demo. juggalos, <laughs> the new kids, girls. That's a, that's a show. I would imagine. Are well, they all of a particular age or does it, do they cross generations they now? They do cross generations. And then there's the occasional, um, there's the occasional husband or boyfriend that has gone along. Well, and Right. And you would think that they would be sort of, you know, slumped in their chair, checking the scores. Oh, no. They're right. like up there rocking out. Now, I don't know if they're rocking out because they actually like the music or because they are guaranteed they're going to get laid in two hours. Right. I don't know. But regardless, they're full on in it. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah, and and everyone has their T-shirts. There, some of them are wearing shirts that they bought, you know, in '89. In the heyday, yeah. Some of the them please don't go, girl. Right. Some of them forfeit. Some of them don't, but they still rock them. Oh sure. You know, and some people there's whole groups of friends that make matching outfits. Lots of those. Lots of those. You're describing most of the concerts I go to, too, for that yeah. exact same thing. See? Um, so there you go. Don't yeah. judge me. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so of all of my professions of my, you know, rock and roll right. life, New Kids and Kiss, I think, are the two bands I've seen the most. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if I'm a good parent or not, because the other day we got in the car and I said to my son, what do you want to listen to? And he just goes, I don't know, maybe Nick Cave? And I was like, what? Really? Okay, no, let's do this. No, that's awesome. That makes you a fabulous parent. Um, and way, to today want, my... way to want credit. Way to, way to go in for the well, compliment. No. <laughs> well, no, there was that, which I felt proud of. But then today my daughter was like, I want to listen to Pulp, which... But see, that's pretty awesome, too. I'm going through a huge Pulp phase at the moment. That's awesome. Yet, lyrically, I don't know if it's something a five-year-old should be like, I am really digging this. Yeah, but see, okay, so here's my argument back to that, and this has been my argument my entire life. Mm -hmm. In 1978, 79, when I was three and four years old, I rocked out, it's a real pussy wagon, like nobody's business. (laughs) (laughs) And I had no clue what that meant. But I... Loved that musical, like with every inch of my soul. So I should not be worried that my kids want to sleep with common people. Is that well, what you're saying? No, I mean you might be, want to be worried that your kids might turn out like me, but you should be fine. Ah, <laughs> oh, now that is a concern. Uh huh. Yeah. Keepers. <laughs> This is Why, with your hosts, Heidi Hedquist and Luke Poling. What's the hardest part of being an art model? I'd say, that's such a hard question. Um, The schedule can be challenging sometimes because it's dictated a lot by the school year. I work with a lot of students and a lot of professors and mm-hmm. work for a lot of the universities in the area. So there will sometimes be weeks on end where I'm very, very, very busy. Um, for instance, this last week I had three classes one day, sandwiched between two classes each day before and after. Um, I actually have not had a full day off in a couple weeks. Hmm. So that can get pretty tough. But on the other hand, it means that I also get long stretches of vacation time or flex time, particularly right. over the summer. Um, I get most of December off. So that's the trade-off. It's sort of like being a teacher in that way. But it can get pretty exhausting, especially towards the end of any given semester. So how did you become an art model and how long have you been doing it? I've been working full time for five years and modeling overall for about 10 years now. I started out just as a student job because I was work-study, so I had to work while I was a student to get my aid requirements met. 
and being an art model on campus was the highest paying gig around and I wanted to be very economical with my time since I was a student and had a lot of other things going on too so I saw that and I was like well I don't know how comfortable I'll be with that, uh, but I'll save a lot of time in theory and have to work like only a third as many hours, which was very appealing because an hour is worth a lot when you're an undergraduate. So well, it's got to be way better than donating plasma. I mean, that. Oh my gosh! Way yes, <laughs> way less uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all I have to do is take my clothes off. Um, <laughs> Easy so. enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I. I just stuck with it because I found once I got over the initial jitters, it was really tough at first because I grew up in a pretty conservative area. And so the idea of being nude, even though I was, you know, a hippie and very comfortable with nudity, the idea of being nude and just stared at by people was very uncomfortable for me. But once I got beyond that, it's so liberating. And it's the best work I've ever had. How long did it take you to overcome that that apprehension and those sort of jitters, like you said? It was a slow process. When I worked my first class, I was so nervous that I cried. Just a little. But I was that nervous. Mm -hmm. But walking around afterward and seeing all of the artwork that people had made while they were looking at me, you know, drawings and paintings. What immediately stood out from the very beginning is that people see things so differently that a group of a dozen people can be looking at the same model at the same time and see a completely different person. Some people drew me as far larger than I was. Some drew me as smaller, more feminine, more masculine. And so that drove home for me very early and very quickly that it didn't matter so much what I looked like because I couldn't control how people were going to see me. That's a matter of perception and what mm -hmm. people are bringing in terms of their own biases and preconceptions and preferences and insecurities. So I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible to, to get there in your psyche that quickly. Cause I would imagine for some people that would wreak havoc on their self-esteem. They would suddenly see themselves as heavier or smaller or what have you, and it could just go crazy. But your perception or your interpretation of it is super healthy, I think. Not that well, I those, any... those were questions that I had to, you know, answer for myself too. I would, it's a lot of reality checking um, in part, you know, because I think a lot of us have the tendency to be overly critical of our own bodies. And that was certainly something that I struggled with a lot when I was younger and that the modeling helped me with so much because I did eventually get to this place where I know that perception is more about the person who is seeing and perceiving than the object, which is me in this context being perceived and I mean, if anything, it helped me get over a lot of very unhealthy ideas about myself and stop being so critical because I can't control anything, really. <laughs> Do you ever look at a piece and just go, oh, oh, I really hope this doesn't <laughs> see the light of day because I don't look like that. <laughs> you know, there are definitely pieces I've seen where I felt a little insulted, but I always try when I feel that way to, you know, reflect on, well, why am I taking this so personally? Like, what am I insecure about that that is touching on? Because whenever a piece of art affects me that strongly, 
you know, it does mean something. There's already something going on inside of me that's being touched by that. So those are good moments for me, too. Uh, I learn a lot about myself by seeing myself through others' eyes. Huh. Makes sense. That's, that's like, like Heidi was saying, that's such like a healthy way to approach all of this. Well, I, I think you'd have to be. Otherwise, you would really True, insane, yes. You, know? you would. You'd be crying all the time. This would all be a much time. different interview. <laughs> it, would, yes. it probably have ended it by now. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're just going to go. Yeah. But good luck. You might wanna, maybe that plasma thing's not such a bad idea. <laughs> it doesn't hurt that much. Probably. Right, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh gosh super cool how so how long do you have to generally stay in one position and how still do you really have to be so in terms of length that varies a lot um in the kind of modeling i do which is primarily fine arts modeling there are three different kinds of poses that people will ask for um one is called gesture poses and those are usually quite short. They can be anywhere from, say, five or ten seconds to a few minutes long. And those tend to be the most athletic and extreme poses. It's something that I really couldn't hold longer than, say, 30 seconds. Although I'll push myself, of course, to try to make a good piece of art. Um, and after that, you can have shorter poses of anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. And then there are also long poses which tend to be multiple sittings of the same pose and you'll take a break in between. So a long pose could be for an hour. It could be for a whole class. So usually three or four hours, sometimes especially more established and practiced artists will want to work from the same long pose over multiple sessions. So you could end up with a pose that you've held for 10 15, 20 hours in total. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I worked with some oil painters and over the course of four days held the same pose for 24 hours straight, which was grueling, but Whoa. also so satisfying to be able to look back and say, wow, my body is capable of doing that. That's incredible. That's do you have to do awesome. like prep work for that? Does like yoga or some sort of stretching help you? Because... Oh, just thinking yeah. about this makes me cramp up. Yeah, being active is absolutely necessary for the health of my body. I do yoga. I also visit the steam room regularly just to keep myself limber um, mm -hmm. and to keep from getting tight. When I was doing that standing pose, that was the 24-hour pose. That was pretty tough on my knees and my hip. Um, there is always the risk of doing damage to one's joints or nerves when you're doing a long pose like that. So you also need to be very mindful of what's going on in your body and realistic about, hey, I need to take a break now, or I can't go back to exactly that same pose. Otherwise, I may actually hurt myself. Um, I've known a few models who have sustained quite serious injuries by holding a pose longer than was healthy. And I've done that not to such extremes, but gotten home at the end of the day and found, wow, you know, my wrist really still hurts or once, you know, I let my arm fall asleep and I thought, well, the pose isn't that much longer. I'll just tough it out. And then my fingers were tingling for about a week. And that's just, you know, that's not healthy. And it's a matter of learning. Yeah. 
It's about learning what your body can do without being injured. So for the long pose, I was recognizing I'm definitely experiencing some inflammation. So I took um, some supplements to help with that, astrologus and turmeric and also sat in warm baths. I took an Epsom salt bath on the second day and just lay there and let my body relax and release the tension. But it's like this ongoing conversation with my body about what I can do with it and how far I can push it, but also still take good care of it so that we can keep working together. Are most artists okay with you saying, hey, can we vary this a little bit? I mean, students screw them like that. They're still learning it. (laughs) But like a serious artist, if you're like, I can't keep my elbow up like that, do they get all huffy or? It depends on the artists. And that's also something that you work out in the course of your individual career is who you work well with. Um, Mm -hmm. So for me, I really do try to do my best and hold a pose as carefully. And you asked how long and how still, um, I try to stay as perfectly still as I possibly can. I've had people ask me in the past if I was even breathing during a pose. And it's actually true. I, without even really thinking about it, it's something I realized later I was doing. I breathe far more shallowly when I'm posing just to Hmm. even, you know, not even have that movement because I try to imagine myself as a marble statue and to the best of my ability, truly not move. And when I resume a pose to get back into it as precisely as possible. Um, That said, if there is the risk of injury, most artists are very understanding about that. Um, I've only encountered a problem once where I was working with a group that was not understanding and very strict. And I chose not to work with them again because I have to live inside of this body. And also, (laughs) you know... It's a work of art. Flexibility, I think, is important. It's already interpretive. And it's supposed to be a back and forth, in my opinion, between a model and an artist to create the work of art. So, you know, I'm sharing my body and my expertise in that way. But I also request and expect a degree of respect in terms of establishing my own boundaries and limits. Seems pretty fair. When you're cha- so you're channeling yourself to be a marble statue, but but what else are you thinking about during those times? Are you just focusing on that? Do you go into more of a meditation? Are you reciting your favorite movie lines, going through the grocery list? What what's going through your head during those times? All of the above, <laughs> because you know, in in a week I'll be modeling for twenty or thirty hours, sometimes more. So that's a lot of time to just be inside my head yeah a lot of times I I do try to be meditative and not think about anything just clear my head or if the thoughts come observe them but let them go um other times I'm writing my grocery list or going over an argument I had with someone or (laughs) thinking about my chores or things I haven't done sometimes I'll you know have lyrics stuck in my head or I'll play an album or I'm just so bored It's nice when there's music playing in a classroom or it's nice when people are talking and I can listen to what they're talking about because it's distracting and it can get dull, but the meditation helps. That helps a lot. Do you ever look any of the artists sort of in the eye while you're posing and stare at them (laughs) and sort of see if they're looking very confused? 
I just would imagine myself being like, what do you, what's so weird to you? What are you, you know, yeah. like, is it my hand? Is my hand weird? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really try not to. You know, that's something that's so funny for me because I'm used to being stared at and scrutinized. It's impossible to make me uncomfortable in that way anymore. Oh, Heidi, but start. <laughs> yeah, but, but I found that a lot of artists get so squirmy when I look at them or when I make eye contact, you know, being a mm -hmm. model on a stand, making eye contact with an artist or even seeming to be looking in their general direction tends to make them so uncomfortable. You know, they're, hmm. they're staring at me, but the idea that I might be staring back is too much for most people. That's a question or a complaint I've heard and other models have as well. You know, students will say, oh, the model is staring at me and it's just... <laughs> It's this big deal. <laughs> I think part of it is because when we're there, we're nude. Right. And it makes a lot of people uncomfortable, I guess, to be stared at by someone who's nude. <laughs> Which is so the opposite, because most people think it would be uncomfortable to be nude, as we talked about earlier. Right, you, yeah. Have you ever walked in and just looked at them and said, draw me like one of your French girls, Jack, just to throw them <laughs> off? <laughs> I'm sure I've made that joke, you know, or that or anything. I always try to introduce some jokes or levity, especially when I'm working with freshmen at a university oh, or people who are freshmen. I, some of them, I mean, truly, I think I'm the first nude woman that a lot of students in Boston have seen in real life, which is a really special position to have, but also... I take that more seriously in some ways even than working with my professional artists because that sets the stage for the way that they'll regard models for the rest of their artistic careers. And sure. that back and forth, you know, I want to set the precedent that this is a working communicative relationship where I expect to be treated with respect, but I'm also a person and... You know, we can talk and we can joke and it's okay that I'm naked and we can talk about that and you can look at me and it doesn't have to be embarrassing. So is there a point in the process sort of in from taking off the robe to assuming your position where you almost go from being a person with these other people in a room when you almost become this object that they are drawing? Because I would assume an artist at a certain point is looking at an angle and at a line and not at a figure, at a person. Oh, absolutely. When you're looking at a model from the perspective of an artist, what you're looking for is exactly as you said, the line, the shape, the negative space, the tone, the light, you know, all those things that are just these hyper-focused, it's not a person, it's not even a leg or an arm or a head or an eye that you're looking at. It's a shape or a color or a tone, and it's very reductive in that way. And also for my part, I feel a shift too. When I'm on break, I love talking with people, and we're artists, we're talking about what we're doing, and we're people, and we're talking about life. But when I switch back to model mode, um, there's a little transition period where I get quiet again, and I feel like I come back inside myself, and then I do become the object. And it's not right. that I'm not myself, I'm still a person that I'm inside of myself, but it's a different way of relating to the world around me and to the artists I'm working with. I'm assuming you've gone to exhibits featuring art that you have posed for. 
And what is it like to see yourself on the wall? And have you ever been recognized in the gallery where they're like, I know that elbow? <laughs> you know, I I have seen so much work of myself. I have a bunch in my own home and yeah, sure, you know, and shows. It's, uh, I think the first time I saw a watercolor of myself at a major gallery, it was kind of mind blowing to look and say, wow, that is a really beautiful piece of art. And that is me. And it's here on the wall and all these people are looking at it. And it's this object that has so much value. People would mm -hmm. pay so much for that. And I helped create it. Like I was there for that moment and I know what, what was around that piece as it was being created and now here it is it's just this incredibly flattering humbling beautiful mind-blowing experience um and i also you know i've been modeling in boston for so long now i've worked with almost everyone there is to work with and mm -hmm. i hear it a lot i have a very particular look and i also have very characteristic poses People tell me quite often, oh, I saw a piece of you on the wall there or in a classroom there. And I knew it was you because of the haircut or the tattoo or no one else does a pose like that. I would recognize it anywhere. And that's also good to hear, too, to, you know, I have my own style and my work is recognized in that way. And you said you have pictures that people have done of you around your house. What's that like just being surrounded by you or someone else's interpretation of you? Yeah, it would be weird if it were just like photographs of me. What, That's what true. I, what I mean. Yeah, what, what, <laughs> that would be my I house. would feel like I would feel like a total narcissist if it were that way. You know, I felt <laughs> I felt kind of strange at first because they are images of me, and I didn't want to display them for a long time because it did feel kind of strange. Um, but what it really comes down to is every piece I have that is a painting or a drawing or a collage or a sculpture of me was a gift from another artist who spent mm -hmm. all of that time with me creating that piece and then shared it with me. And so for me, the pieces are more about the relationships and the people who made them. You know, my role in them is cool. And it's cool to be able to see the way I look through so many other people's eyes. But for me, it's about the community and the people who created the art. Where in your house do you have them? Is it like in the dining room or? Oh gosh, all over. I'm actually <laughs> I'm looking over. across my bedroom right now and I have a whole stack of pieces that haven't even been framed yet, but there's a little clay bust of me on top of a bookshelf. Um, and there are other framed pieces in my living room and in my dining room and all over the place, just, you know, here or there wherever I have space to hang art. I have a bunch of my own work as well and other pieces that aren't actually of me. Um, <laughs> just to mix it up a little. Yeah, Sure, yeah, keep them guessing. That has to mean, like, the world to the artist, though. If you actually choose to have their piece hanging in your home, their I mean, it means the world to me to have it. You know, it's, it's such a special gift to get a piece of art that someone else made. I can't think of anything more meaningful than someone sharing something that they made it's like homemade bread or you know a scarf that grandma knit yeah right 
do you work with only with painters or do you work with photographers or sculptors? Do you see a difference between those modes of, of artist? I work with people across pretty much all media. I haven't done as much photography. That genre... I prefer to stick with the fine arts, and photography is so broad. I've done mm -hmm. some fashion, and I've been a hair model on a few occasions, which has been fun. But... Wait, hair model? Yeah, so so when you're a hair model, um, it's a hairstylist uh, okay. is looking, yeah, for someone to, you know, practice a certain cut or color. So I've had some really fun experiences and some very wild hairstyles that way. <laughs> There's usually a photo shoot afterward. But gotcha. okay. I, I tend to stick to the more traditional media. So painting and sculpture and drawing and then, you know, collage and that that category of stuff. How do you think you'll do this forever, or do you have a end game? I do not have an end game, and it's an open question for me right now because I love this work so much, so so much. I don't even think of it as work. Sometimes I'll finish a class and I'll completely forget to get paid because I I forget that this <laughs> is a job. <laughs> it's just fun for me. It feels right. It's natural. And it gives me life. Like, I have more energy and more inspiration and joy because I'm doing this right now. And I think it would be pretty tough to find something else that has all those positive qualities and still allows me the flexibility of setting my own schedule um, and pays decently, you know, of course, as I'm you know, anyone would be, I would love to be able to make a little more money and to have a little more financial stability than I do, but I have no complaints. I'm very grateful. Um, I don't know. And unfortunately, it seems to be the case that having done this work also is off-putting to some employers, which, you know, kind of cuts down on the sorts of jobs and the sorts of companies or individuals that I might be able to work with in the future if I did decide to go a different route. Oh, that's yeah. really ridiculous and annoying, it, but I can see how it happens for sure. Do they say it to your face or do no. they wait till you leave the room and then... You know, it's usually something more subtle, like I'll apply for a job for which I'm perfectly qualified given my other experiences. Um, and I just won't even get an interview. And, hmm. you know, my only thought is there weren't that many applicants. And right. I really was so very qualified. I worked on the application. The cover letter was custom. And, you know, and I, I'll get the question sometimes in an interview. Oh, you know, tell me about that or just picking up on it from when I chat with someone on the train and the question is, Oh, what do you do? And I'll tell them and they'll get this look on their face. Not like Luke who gets like so happy and is so excited and texting me and telling me that, Oh my gosh, she's got the best job. We have to talk to her. <laughs> no, it's like, it's like, they can't believe I'm t even telling them this. Like it's some horrible secret I'm divulging and they'll, they'll sort of lean in and whisper and say, is that, is that naked? <laughs> i'm so used to being around people for whom it's a non-issue you know mm -hmm. artists and other creative types because that's just what my life has been built 
to be is I'm around people who are thinking that way. But in the broader culture, I think there's still so much discomfort with nudity and a lot of people see the work I do in a very negative light because they associate nudity with sexuality and sexuality is dirty and bad and there are moral questions and all, you know, all that baggage, all that nonsense. Yeah, but yet all those people are hopping on planes to go to the Louvre and check out every, right. you know, <laughs> every piece they can. I don't know. If I was on the train, I'd totally be like, yeah, it's stark, raving, naked, not a stitch of clothing. For hours, you can see everything. <laughs> but that's why I'm an ass. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I and that's when they move to another seat. And you don't want to talk to them anyway, because they're clearly not interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Be sure to follow Why the Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check out our YouTube channel for some additional great Why content. If you're so inclined, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. The show is produced by myself and Heidi Hegquist. Our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our web producer is Tedley Mustonen. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. The theme song was performed by the Electrosyntho Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. <laughs> <laughs>